0: is Patrick McGillivray, and I'm an experienced marathoner, ultra runner, running coach, and mindset expert. I believe mindset is the most powerful and most underrated tool you have as a runner. So I've devoted my life to helping runners like you develop the mindset you need to fuel your inner fire and become the badass runner you are meant to be. This is the Running Mind Podcast. Well, hey there, and welcome to episode number 26 of the Running Mind Podcast. My name is Patrick McGilray and I'm a weight loss coach for runners. And today I have something very special to share with you. It's an interview I did recently with Chris Wisman. Chris is uh, one of the co-founders of Real Human Performance here in Cincinnati, and he's the director of their fitness programs. Chris considers himself more of a holistic health coach than a personal trainer, though. And his approach to health and fitness is a lot like mine. So for him, it's not just about lifting weights or eating right. There's so much more going on. There's so many more things to consider. Um, You know, if you want to get to your ideal body weight or maintain peak performance as a runner, you have to consider the whole human. And that's what Chris does. Um, and I say this as an interview, but it was more just like a fun conversation that he and I have. So we work out together and uh, he, uh, he and I have these awesome conversations while we're working out. And one day I was like, dude, we need to record these conversations. I think people would get a lot out of this. So that's kind of what we've got going on here. You're going to dig this promise and if you haven't already be sure to check out the running lean community on facebook this is a facebook group that goes hand in hand with this podcast we take a deeper dive into these topics um you get to ask questions and get answers totally free but if you listen to the podcast you have to come check out the running lean community on facebook and starting july 1st so that's coming up very soon here In a matter of days, (laughs) starting July 1st, we are doing a 31-day no sugar challenge. For the whole month of July, the challenge is for you to stop eating sugar. Sugar is just so terrible for you. Really, it's the first step. If you want to lose weight, if you want to become a lean running machine, you got to stop eating sugar. So all during July, we'll be talking about sugar, you know, all the the reasons why you need to get off of sugar. I'm going to be walking you through this step by step. So each week I'll be offering support, some tips, some Q&A sessions, some coaching. Uh, I'm going to be talking about it here on the podcast I'm going to do everything I can to help you make that transition off of sugar and into becoming a better human and a lean running machine. So grab a few friends, join us in the running lean community on Facebook. You can just go to Facebook and search for running lean community uh, and, and you can find it there, but join us for the no sugar challenge. It's going to be amazing. Okay, so in the interview Chris and I talked about a lot of cool stuff. So we talked about what chronic cardio is, like the cycle of chronic cardio and and what runners need to do to break out of it. We talked about why we should be adding in some more high intensity workouts, like sprints. Um we talk about how running slower sounds counterintuitive, will actually help you to run faster. We talk about sugar burning versus fat burning and the benefits of becoming a fat adapted runner. Talk about what happens when you don't get enough sleep, the importance of managing stress as an athlete, uh, why you might want to rethink sucking down all those energy gels during a race. Talk about intermittent fasting and the surprising benefits of uh, when you work out in a fasted state. Uh, why athletes practice periodization, and why you should too, and a bunch of other stuff. So this is a really, we talk about a lot of stuff in here, but it's a really fun interview. Um, and Chris, he's just an all-around awesome human and a good friend. I think you're really going to dig this conversation. So here it is. Okay, today I'm uh, talking with Chris Wisman. Chris is a holistic, functional uh, health coach and movement coach. How's that, Chris? That sound pretty. That's good. perfect,
1: man.
0: That's <laughs> we were just awesome. talking about what do I call you, and and Chris was like, "Here's some words you can use, you know." Um, but what Chris does is he helps people to become the best version of themselves, you know, through functional fitness, through coaching, and he he does it with a, a really cool approach. Something that I try to. Um, you know, mimic in the way that I coach people, which is taking a holistic approach, like looking at this from a bunch of different angles. It's not just about working out. It's not just about lifting weights. It's not just about eating right. You got to like factor in all these different things. Um, and one of the things that Chris and I are going to talk about today, I hope we get into this. I'm sure we will, is about stress and 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 the the amount of stress that we put on our body on a regular basis. So. We as runners are really um, notoriously bad at uh, resting, and uh, we're notoriously bad at like overworking ourselves and not listening to our body and not being like aware of you know how we're feeling and then adjusting. We're just like hammer on all the time. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. So we got a few things we're going to talk about. Chris, how you doing today?
1: Good man. Good. It's good to be here. I'm really excited and uh, excited to see you back in the gym. Uh, and I'm stoked to talk about this stuff. This is this is the stuff that I I uh, love to research all the time and just keep up with. Yeah, and, Chris uh, and I.
0: Chris and I work out together, and um, he uh, he's my coach. You know, when it, when we're at the gym, and uh, and we have these conversations about you know about food and stress and running and and uh, all this stuff and. And I'm like, dude, let's just put this, let's just record our conversation. So yep. that's what yep. we're yep. doing today because they're so yes. cool, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I uh, love that was, you mentioned the, uh, the running and, and, the, uh, and the chronic state of running. And, and I think and you mentioned to me not too long ago that people jump into a running protocol to maybe lose weight and um, where that it, it can help. But if we're in that kind of chronic state the black hole training model of just some people refer to it as the stage three training model or the uh level three it it just becomes like a chronic stressor and like you're saying with the stress and it's it becomes really hard to to to, if your goal is to lose weight it becomes really hard to lose weight while you're chronically stressed the body actually wants to hold weight in that state to survive and uh it's really it gets confused
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was just talking about this with a client uh, yesterday about the this this what stress does to your body. So what stress does is it releases this hormone called cortisol. And cortisol is a stress hormone. And but when you when your body releases cortisol, it like floods your, your system with glycogen. You know what I mean? So yes. your glucose levels go up, your insulin levels go up. And we all know that you know when insulin is high, you're in this fat storage mode. So people that are chronically stressed out, whether it's because of their job or their you know uh, family situation or because of what they're doing to their body, the way they're running or working out, find it very difficult to lose weight because their body is constantly in that fat storage mode.
1: Yeah, it's exactly it. it cortisol is a great thing; it's a survival mechanism. But we can't be chronically releasing cortisol. We kind of get uh, at, at some point in time you, you can't produce it as well, and that becomes really problematic. Mm. Um, it, it's. What you were talking about when you discovered Mark Sisson, and uh, well, probably a long time ago, but recently when we we're kind of like connecting the dots uh, with Sisson's approach is what what he does is a lot of sprinting and then a lot of low level like aerobic state uh, movements, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't looked into his stuff in, in quite a long time, but if I if I remember correctly, that was his approach, and then maybe strength training first, and uh, that that kind of that kind of system, which helps people not have to stay in that, again, in that black hole. Right. And that, and that there's no real intention. I think that's the underlying factor to all these things. Like why are we running? What's the intention? And then if the intention is to lose weight, cool. If the intention is to, I want to run a marathon, that's a different story. If the intention is, you know what I mean? So uh, for me, it just everyone has to know why they're doing what they're doing before they just jump into it for kind of haphazard reasons.
0: Yeah. And honestly, like marathon runners were really great at like following a plan, you know, following mm-hmm. a training plan. <laughs> yeah. It's like run five miles today. And you're like, "Well, oh, I don't really feel like it, but just do it anyway. Or I'm really sore. Yeah. Or, I'm really tired. Just like do it anyway. And then do it tomorrow and do it the next day and do it three yep. days from now. And like, that's just that what we do, you know, and we think we're like, um, really like, we've got this like amazing work ethic and we're like super, yep. you know, well, we, we, don't, we never day, give man. up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But the problem is you're just always, you know, in that you're stressing your body and you never give it a chance to kind of calm down. And, you know, it's going back to the cortisol thing, it's like, that's a great thing to stress your body sometimes, but then, you know, you wanna like, then not stress your body because yes. that's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's how, we, we grow, you know, when we lift mu- we lift weights at the gym, we stress out our muscles, we break them down, we tear them apart, and then we got to rest so that they will grow.
1: Yep. We can't be catabolic all the time. Um, catabolic is muscle destruction. You gotta, mm. you gotta go into go in, go in, go in that healing process at some point. Um, it's, I, uh, the guy that I trained through, I, I always go back to the yin and the yang cycle with, without all these things, like the, the balance is so important. Um, yeah, catabolic, you're going you're gonna to start ripping some muscle, but then you have to rest. You have to come out of that ex- – that, uh, a lot of these really high-intensity, uh, high-functioning athletes are 80% anaerobic in that 20% of the time, and they're in that catabolic state, so it's not like a 50-50, um, which is very interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's fascinating. They, yeah, they, they pick very specific times with very specific movements to go tear it up, in the, on their other training days, they're laying low. They're they're getting their mileage in if they need to, and it might not be uh, race mileage, but you know what I mean. Um, so they're staying at that slower pace, like you and I were talking about, um, and, and all the other life elements that we experience that make us not only like from a muscle musculoskeletal standpoint, catabolic is uh, stressors from every other element is again mimicking catabolic activity in our in our in our body and so we're really struggling to heal so that rest process is like dude sleep is sacred (laughs) (laughs) it is it is free you don't have to pay for it and and uh if you set it up right there there is nothing that i mean there are some things but it it affects your life so positively um but Yeah. yeah
0: sleep is such a key factor here like uh I just read this study where they, they tested people and they like limited the amount of sleep they got and they um, like by an hour or two and they, you know, in this, uh, you know, uh, clinical trial that they did with these people and all of them started gaining weight just <laughs> from like reducing the amount of sleep they were getting because of the cortisol that was being produced.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's a really cool chart that I'll send over to you. It, it shows the the, the, the graph on the cortisol rise in relation to the sunlight and all this, it's a, it's a really unique sequence that has everything to do with balancing your your rest and recovery cycle. your Some people call it your circadian rhythm. Yeah. And so uh, if I had any advice to people, if it was like the, the freest thing you can do is to structure your sleep as best as you possibly can.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We notoriously <laughs> don't get enough sleep. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Um, but going back to you, you mentioned something that was kind of cool, um, talking about the intensity of the workouts. And so one thing I've been doing lately and I've been having some good luck with this. In fact, I just did this this morning. Um, I did, uh, some sprinting. So yeah. I go out for a, uh, and I try to do this once a week. Um, and I go out for a, uh. It's like a 20 minute run. It's really short, but incredibly intense. Like I do just to yeah. like a half mile jog just to kind of warm up a little bit. Then I stop and get my heart rate down. And then I run as hard as I can for like 30 seconds. Yes. And then take about a minute off until my heart rate comes back down again. And then just repeat that. So I'm, I'm running full on as hard as I can for 30 seconds, um, resting for a minute. And I do that like six times. And then- That is you know,
1: true interval training
0: yeah then a short jog to, to finish up okay so that's what that looks like the rest of the week i do a couple other runs where i'm i'm going really slow so i'm i'm, I'm it's almost painfully slow sometimes yeah and to keep my heart rate down to stay in that um aerobic zone yes the, you know the fat burning zone the the place where you were like, build your aerobic engine, you, Oh my God, this is like the best way to build endurance is to run really slow. It's Without really hard and for people to do that though. They freak out. Cause they're like, man, I can't run that slow all the time. But if you, if you can get good at running in that aerobic zone, dude, your endurance, it just goes through the roof.
1: Especially if you regulate breath during it. Um, and the yogis figured this out a long time ago. Um, like really, Anaerobic is just like a, a symptom of not being aerobic. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like a different state. It's just like oh, I've become anaerobic now. <laughs> like the 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 aerobic. If you can control the the breath during the aerobic process, the the more you'll be able to uh, regulate your O2. And um, oh, there's a term I'm looking for specifically. Um, Brian McKenzie talks a lot about this. I'm excited for you and Jen to. Um, talk about the the breath and maintaining aerobic zone um because when you come out of it that's that 20 percent, right that that more chest breathing and that more needing for more oxygen it's really it's a fascinating topic there's a lot of really awesome experts out there uh in regards to in regards to that and brian i would encourage you to if you've never heard of him check out brian mckenzie he's um he's an awesome dude
0: definitely i'll put a link to that in the show notes yeah. for this episode too and and um just so people know chris is talking about um jen who is your partner at uh, yes, real yeah. human performance and uh, jen and i are going to be having a conversation about breathing soon jen is a breathwork expert and um she's going to be talking about um she and i are going to have a conversation about um breathing and running and how to kind of reduce stress using yes. using breathwork you know, how to, um, you know, stay in that aerobic zone using your breath as a, as a tool for that. And, and some other things that blow, she blows my mind when she starts talking about breathing. dude. It's it's
1: really wild. Every time somebody comes out of her office, they're like, dude, who is that? (laughs) (laughs) What in the hell? How does she know all these things? Um,
0: yeah so it, so I found that like the the slowing down has been one of the best things that I can do to improve my endurance you know yes. and and here's the thing that runners uh struggle with they're like I don't want to I don't want to be a slow runner I don't want to run that slow but the thing is in order to get faster you got to start slower you got to really yeah. slow down you can as you become uh you build that aerobic engine and you become super efficient at that slower speed and you're incorporating some really explosive speed work, you can start ramping up your speed, and, exactly. and it's going to be so much easier for you. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah,
1: without a doubt, you'll you'll that threshold will get higher and higher and higher and higher. Then your your efficiency of breath will be the same at a faster pace, um, and and it will seem just as easy. It, 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 you just will keep being able to push that envelope, which is it's really cool.
0: Yeah. So one of the issues that people have when they um, do this, what, you know, Mark Sisson calls chronic cardio is Mm -hmm. that, you know, they get just into that anaerobic zone and they just stay there all the time. Like every difficult is or every uh, workout is like, you know, moderate to difficult intensity. Like every single workout is the same. There's not enough rest and recovery period in between there. This leads to burnout. It leads to chronic stress. It leads to inflammation.
1: Um, That's the hardest thing ever when it comes to developing a workout program for the general population, because most people are chronically stressed, right? We go, as you know, we go through at real human performance, we go through cycles, right? Uh, We'll go through a heavy phase. We'll go through an endurance phase. We'll go through a rotation and a power phase and et cetera, et cetera, uh, with and they're very strategically placed um one after the next so we can lead in these different zones but the problem is the uh the capacity takes takes quite a bit to get if that makes any sense to have the capacity to say do a heavy set of three on like a trap bar uh squad deadlift whatever you want to call it or uh, a heavy set of three on a push press um, or a, um, a heavy sled pull you have to be really a balanced human being to be able to go in there and, and push it like a corporate athlete, if you will. So that's why my 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 passion is just really helping people understand their life stressors. Um like like you said, it's easy to build on that, but the the foundation like we're talking about has to be laid. And um sometimes that's hard to convince people to take the time to do if that makes sense.
0: Yeah and yeah and it's building the foundation it's like the it's the foundation, you know. I mean, it's like the most <laughs> important part. It really yes. is. Um, and then there's this idea of like periodization, you know, or like, you know, uh, you know, just you know, uh, following like not only listening to your body and kind of like uh, if you need a rest day, take it, but also like like uh, professional athletes, for example, they go through these training seasons, you know, so they'll have a season where they start out really slow. And then they gradually build in intensity. um, And then they, you know, get to this critical point. They do whatever event they're going to do. And then there's this period of rest, you know, where they're not doing any, hardly any training at all. And, you know, that gives your body a chance to, like, you know, rebuild and the inflammation to come down. And you get to do other things like uh, spend time with your family and connect yep. with your friends and, you know, do hobbies and all these other things that, that you like to do that make your life worth living, you know? Um, but again, there's like this idea in the, the and a lot of runners follow this, which is like you're always training. So mm-hmm. you're always at like this intensity level of like a seven or something, seven or eight, you know, and it's just like that's yeah. all you do, like 100% of the time.
1: There, there's a reason that athletes pay coaches, a lot of money to design them, periodization protocols, um, it, it, because it's keeping them from getting injured. It's it's ex- lengthening the lifespan of their sport and um, and them making money, right? <laughs> so it, it's, that's the professional, I guess my point is the professionals do it like that for a very good reason. Um, it, you don't have an option, but everything is very, crucial in that world it's their how they make a living
0: yeah and i i can't um i'm not a professional athlete (laughs) yeah no right but i can say from my own experience of years of like just pushing it all the time that i was stressed out uh i was always um i was inflamed uh i was you know addicted to car carbs and sugar like in glucose like i was running on on sugar you know and um I became, uh, you know, I started gaining weight and I started becoming, you know, uh, pretty stressed out and inflamed and just like uh, unhealthy as a runner, which is a crazy thing to think about, you know, because most people think, oh, you run marathons, you've got to be like the healthiest of the healthy. And it's just not true. There's plenty of people out there that are just like, were just like me, like I was, which is like... Just, you know, totally addicted to carbs and and sugar, running on glucose, taking 18, you know, gels with them for a long run (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) and just like never, you know, always gaining weight, always under stress, and um, not understanding why they aren't in perfect health.
1: Intention, man. That's exactly it. What is is your intention here? And then if it's not... If your intention isn't lining up, the results aren't lining up with the intention. There's something wrong, and that sounds like that you discovered that. I had a similar thing um, a couple of years ago on my birthday. From uh, I guess it was my thirtieth birthday. I started feeling really dizzy in a restaurant. I don't know if I may mention this on the last podcast. Did I? Um, don't I don't think so. Um, anyway, because it was, it's kind of a like a eye-opening experience. Got really dizzy. Uh, at a restaurant on my birthday. I was under a lot of stress at the time. I was sleeping probably four or five hours a night, probably four coffees a day. Um, any element of life that I could think of, I was getting stressed from, I was trying to make a pretty extreme diet change. I was heavy, heavy strength training. It wasn't like an 80, 20 for me where the 20 was strength. It was like probably four days a week of heavy lifting and, um, very little aerobic activity. So I ended up, uh, Passing out in this restaurant, and what it looked like—I went into anaphylactic shock, and no one was really ever, ever really able to give me any answers. So I went to the hospital and um, got all the scans and the tests, and I, I believe that I just have a had a total shutdown of my nervous system. It was it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life, um, but it was just from chronic stress, right? It was just without recovery, I, and and the body perceives that stress perception is almost all the same, whether it be physical, mental, or emotional, or nutritional, or dehydration, all these things equal kind of the same thing at the end of the road. It's a hormonal dysregulation, uh, It's and and you can't recover without setting down, getting out of that catabolic lifestyle, getting out of that catabolic state, and, and resting. And so, once I understood that, I didn't really... i. I I kind of had to make a lot of changes and that's kind of why i was making mention on like being very cognizant of my caffeine consumption because i can become addicted to that very fast and i noticed my cortisol getting jacked up if i'm if i break that one coffee in the morning and i start doing two a day i i, I know at like a weekend i'm like oh i mean your mind tries to play tricks on you it's like ah, it's all right you're, you're running low today you're about to do a x y and z you should get a little extra energy and it's fake energy <laughs> at that point it's not i'm borrowing i'm borrowing that energy so and, and everyone's different in that regard so it's just uh yeah but, That the, the stress element of all this is is um is of the utmost for import, utmost importance if you're going to be doing any kind of activity and it's hard man that's life right now like people have kids and they have really intense jobs and they have to maintain relationships at home and at work and with their family and um so that balance yeah
0: (laughs) yeah man i mean you're talking about so many important things there you know and uh you know the stress that we put ourselves under um even if we're quote unquote like super healthy like you Mm. were like i thought i was you know like you can that stress can really cause uh, a chain reaction and 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 lead to all kinds of health issues you know you passed out in a restaurant basically because you your body was just like shutting down you know yeah um and for a lot of people like i know my experience was that i was like really inflamed and just gaining weight like crazy and i couldn't figure out why and part of it you know was diet but you know another big part of it was was stress and constantly putting myself under stress whether it was from (laughs) you know, work or from relationships or from, uh, you know, the, the kind of workouts I was doing, it's all related. And that's where, mm-hmm. I, you know, when I started talking about what you do and how you help people, Chris, you know, I mentioned you take this approach where we look at all these things and that's yes. why I love like working out at real human performance. And I love your approach is because we talk about these things and it's not just about lifting the weights at the gym. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I try to explain that to people that haven't been in they're like, how's the gym? I'm like, Oh man, it's not really just a gym. I get, i try not to get frustrated.
0: <laughs> They're like, well, you know, real uh, LA fitness is cheaper, you know? Yeah. You're just like,
1: yeah I'm like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> just come in for a month and, and tell me what you think.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so like, yeah, you've been such a big influence on me, honestly. Like it, this has been really, uh, I've had an amazing uh, health journey and health transformation over the last few months um, in part by, you know, some of the things that you and I have been talking about, and some of the things that you have taught me, you know, I mean, a few years ago, I, uh, I ditched the sugar and the carbs, and I like, kind of went more of on a like a ketogenic type of diet. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and you and I talked a lot about that at the time. And I had a lot of great res- uh, uh, results from that, you know, and I remember one of the biggest results i had was that i was training for these ultra marathons at the time and i'd really slowed down my running but dude i could run all day because i was just <laughs> i was running on fat i was completely fat adapted i was fueled by fat and i could literally run i would do these uh ultra marathons in the summer 30 mile uh, trail races you know um and I wasn't breaking any speed records, but dude, I could run all day and I was just doing like, um, for fuel, I was drinking water and, um, eating, uh, almond butter. Yeah. <laughs> like that
1: was about think it. You, you gave me some of those coconut balls that you had made back in the day. Yeah. And
0: so I was doing these fat bombs and coconut yep. and stuff like that. So, so I learned all that, but then it got, I didn't, I didn't have the whole, I didn't have the whole picture and I, and I went back to like, you know, doing the carbs again and, and, and that's when things started to go kind of slippery slippery slope, you know, started going yeah. downhill for me. I started becoming more stressed out, more chronically inflamed, started gaining weight. And the last few years have been this slow decline of my health and I finally had to just be like, dude, what is going on here? Yeah. And so thinking back to uh, what we did before, I'm like, that worked for me and I had amazing results. I remember feeling so good. Um, back then i'm like i'm I'm, i gotta get back into it and become fat adapted again so that's where i am today um and these last few months have been uh, amazing you know i've lost like 35 pounds
1: dude yeah dude
0: i'm not inflamed anymore like i can see my abs again you know
1: (laughs) so happy i could be a part of that that's freaking cool
0: um uh, but but one of the things that i really had to wrap my head around is that you know running is not a really effective way to just lose weight. You know what I mean? I was trying no. to use running to lose weight and I kept running more and more and it wasn't working. But now I understand it's it's more of a hormonal issue, you know, and and once I figured that out and then figured out some of the stressors that I was putting my body under, uh, the weight, you know, just started melting off, you know, yes. and and then, you know, there then there's that period of fat ad- adaptation, you know, where as a runner running on sugar, you know, you got to switch over to, to being fueled by fat. So you got to get the sugar out of your system. It takes a few exactly. weeks. But then once you get to that point, dude, that's where the magic happens. And that's kind of where I am today. And I love it.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. W- without a doubt, I under that, that stressful state that I was in, I was, I, I was fat adapted and I had all of these benefits from it as far as like, um, No brain fog and I just didn't get hungry all the time. Like I, you would in a normal eating scenario. But, uh, what I, one thing I I I found out about myself with that situation was that my, my liver was under a lot of stress and it wasn't able to keep up because we, we can produce our own glycogen. Theoretically, we don't have to have a healthy individual doesn't have to have carbohydrates or sugar. Uh, we can do all of that on our own. Um, what I found out, uh, through one of my friends, Jared Siegler, through the Living Proof Institute, and that dude's on another level, um, but that I wasn't, I just, he, he just pointed me in a couple of directions. He didn't tell me very much, but I, I intuitively discovered then that I was not producing glycogen. My liver was really stressed, so I had to back off a little bit and then, then really slowly reintroduce and find what my kind of, we talked about last time, my metabolic type was, and I mentioned last time that I was more of a, a carbotype. And I think that I'm more of a type when I'm stressed, if if that makes sense. Um, because I, and I, I I didn't have the availability. I don't have, I didn't have the full life force to have all my systems working in synchronicity, uh, when I'm under a lot of stress. And now with this recalibration of sleep after the break and, uh, coming back and then having a a consolidated schedule, I can really tune all these things in. So, um, I guess that it kind of leads back to what we were talking about—the ancestral eating type. You know, is understanding that and understanding that it matters how we evolved <laughs> and what our ancestors had uh, availability to eat. That's that is literally how our genetics are made up. And Now there is epigenetics where you can change slightly, but we still have some kind of hardwired things, if you if you will. So that's where it all goes back for me. And the majority of the people, um, have access to heavy fat, dense fuel a lot of the times, you know what I mean? So, um, whether it be wild game or you name it, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah,
0: and and I've been like really fascinated by that whole topic lately of ancestral eating, which is yeah basically eating what your particular ancestors ate. You know, like when you just say like the paleo diet or something like that, that's kind yeah. of a one size fits all for everybody, and yep. everybody has their own interpretation of it. Some people it means just eat bacon all the time. Some people is like <laughs> just eat cheese all the time, or whatever. You know, yeah. Um. So, but if you can if you can look at your particular genetics and your particular ancestral eating patterns mm-hmm. and the things that your particular ancestor did, my ancestors come from, uh, Western Great Britain, Ireland, and Scotland mostly. Yeah. And so they were eating a lot of, uh, um, fish and a lot of, they eat a lot of oats. They eat these like oat cakes, yeah. which is something that they've been eating for, you know, a couple thousand years. Julius Caesar actually makes note of this in a document where he, you know, he, he ended up in, in great britain you know and he and he came across the britons and he's he made this note of them eating these oat cakes and so that's something that my ancestors used to eat um and then uh uh, but obviously it wasn't highly processed like that kind of stuff is today Uh, and then you know uh certain game animals too yeah you know so anyway so there was this uh So, so those kinds of things, like you can actually look to your own history and even within the last 500 years or so is a good way to look your great grandparents or their great grandparents, you know, somewhere in that lineage there and see what they were eating because we have some good records of that, you know, sometimes we even have like recipes that people have handed down, you know,
1: and it's worth testing, you know what I mean? To see how you do on that. There, there is a good oat brand out there. It's called one degree. They actually have a barcode on their bag, and it tells you exactly what farm their oats came from. So it's like guaranteed glyphosate free. Oh, that's um, cool. Really cool brand. Just side note. But yeah, um, so it, it, once you gain that knowledge, then you can look back and, and think about what they were eating like you did and test it out and see if it works for you. Um, a lot of times it does, and sometimes it doesn't, but it just depends on where you're at and your your journey of, of making these these changes. So. I think it's fascinating nonetheless. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean it's totally worth experimenting with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um like if you're if your ancestors are from, you know, the tropics, they they're, they're going to eat a much different diet and you you're, you're genetically going to be predisposed to uh, to thrive on a much different diet than, you know, the Inuit Eskimos in the Arctic, you know what I mean? So Yeah.
1: That's that's it's uh, really cool and those people are probably exposed to they're probably eating um, fat, fatty fish, and then tropical sugars. So uh, I think that one of the misconceptions with fat adaptation is that we no longer use sugar. And that's not, that's not the case really at all because we're producing our own and we're converting proteins when we're really in the training zone into sugars, right, and um, especially if we're super catabolic, even our muscle. So it's not like it's this direct gear shift from sugar to fat. You know what I mean? It's a constant mesh of different types of fuel, but just having the availability to get the most efficiency out of that fat is what I think is important to understand. Because before we we did we weren't able to use it unless we were like in this starvation situation, and you were just out in the wilderness forever, and you would have to burn your stored body fat. So um, forcing yourself to start using that is a uh, um, really really cool.
0: Yeah, and that fat <laughs> is, is such a great source of fuel, it's like a, especially if you're an endurance um, athlete, because, you know, it, it's, you know, glycogen is great for short bursts, you oh. know, and if you're a sprinter, you know, if you're Usain Bolt, you wanna, be, you wanna have those glycogen stores filled up, you know? But if you're a long distance runner uh, or an ultra runner, you, you don't need to have that added glycogen You can get all the energy you need for that long (laughs) distance running um, just from your fat. It's such a clean burning type of fuel and can, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of calories of fat just on our bodies, even the leanest of us. So we don't really need to bring all the gels and sports drinks and all that stuff for those kinds of events.
1: Especially if you're not going to train right the the, the next day, like the majority of us are, like you said, are not professional athletes, right? So the... After you train, a healthy body can go without fuel immediately. And we we're you mentioned uh, fasted workouts. Um, I know a little bit more on, on waiting after the workout in regards to, again, a, a healthy body. If you do your exercise or your run, you can wait a little bit and let the body do its natural hormetic process. Um, when, we, when we interrupt that hormetic process with immediate fuel or immediate uh, cold shower uh, to blunt, of inflammation, then our body gets assistance. So you're, you're Mm. essentially taking away from that workout or the recovery of that workout a little bit. Uh, If you, if you're able to wait a little bit, you know, take a walk after you're done exercising or if you're done running and then cool down and maybe that 60 minute mark could start replenishing. And if you're going to go right back at a hard one the next day, if you're training for something really serious, then you might consider the, the glucose then if you're not going to train the next day if it's going to be a aerobic day, a light day, you don't necessarily need it, you know what I mean? So, um, that's a really interesting thing to, to think about as, as people progress with their training is the, someone like me might be a little different because I, I struggle. I have the opposite struggle where I, I really struggle to put on. So I might need to go replenish right after. And, and that seems like, peachy rosy but it's it's a pain but sometimes they have to worry about how much fuel to put in Uh, before patrick and i just got started i was talking about since we've opened the gym back up i've lost like 12 pounds in just sheer movement and activity and so everyone's going to be unique with it but generally speaking you don't have to refuel immediately after and sometimes um from what a lot of these guys are saying there's huge benefits to going into a workout Again, I want to keep stressing a healthy body going into a workout fasted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, we're talking all sorts of anti-aging effects, and then um, and then being more sensitive to insulin again, and um, oh, tons of things, uh, which I think is fascinating. Um, growth factor and hormone regulation and testosterone production and it's really wild and. To be honest, you mentioned that in our our note overview. I hadn't looked at that in a long in a long time, and I thought it was fascinating when I when I started pulling the stuff back up. And I was like, "Dang!" <laughs> I wasn't sure. I didn't know about all that. At least any time recently, I wasn't I wasn't up on the research there. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, a couple of the things that I love about working out in that fasted state is uh, okay. number one, you you produce more adrenaline, which means you yeah. can actually work out a little harder than if you are working out in a fed state, okay? So number one, you can, you're, you can intensify your workouts and do some good explosive training. Um, and it's good for the long distance training too. Number two, you produce more growth hormone when you're in that fasted state. So you can actually yes. like, the, you're gonna get better results uh, from, your, from your workout and the recovery time will be shorter because of that growth hormone that's being um, produced. It's kind of um, like
1: that hormetic response I was talking about, right? Like you're not assisting your body in this process that it has to do, and it gets better at it. Does
0: absolutely. That make sense? And yeah. then if you're like trying to lose weight, working out a fasted state is a great way to really access those fat stores and start to use the fat for fuel, meaning you're burning body fat while you're working out. So it has all these amazing um, uh, uh, advantages. And it's almost like uh, cheating in a way because, like, I know that there's some professional athletes that train in a fasted state now because it gives them that same kind of edge as if they were taking performance enhancing drugs, yeah, (laughs) without any of those crazy side effects.
1: It's you're exactly right. I mean, the the clarity you get sometimes on a fast is like your body's not; it it can focus on what you're the task at hand um you know you're not digesting food and that's like the big thing with going uh, to bed without food in your stomach the body gets a chance to do its thing gets a chance to physically and um emotionally recover uh from all of the standpoints of life if we, if we always have food in our system then we're just constantly having to spend a ton of energy i forget the percentage of energy spent on digestion versus what you i think like say I, you had a hundred calories, I think forty of them go to digesting the food. Hmm. Uh, I'm not a big calorie person, but just to give you an example, it's a huge working process to to metabolize this food yeah. and to, and to turn it into fuel, and the body gets hot when you when you're eating a bunch of food, like my body temperature will go way up. I can just physically feel like radiating heat when I have a lot of food to process. So just think about how much work that is. Um so there's a reason that all the all the ancient ancient traditions and religions have incorporated fasting for since the beginning of time yeah. because it mimics something we had to deal with like the feast famine cycle when we were out in the wild like there might mm-hmm. be times when we didn't get and everybody talks about that but it's it's real like there's times we went without food for a long time and so, we were fine <laughs> fine totally fine
0: uh you touched on something though that's really important too also for for long distance runners that when you are constantly shoving food um, into your stomach while you're running, especially doing these longer events, you're you're spending a lot of energy digesting that food. So mm-hmm. um, so uh, energy and blood gets pulled away from your extremities, from your muscles, to work in, in digesting, especially for the uh, ultra runners who are eating actually like a lot of food, like pizza and I've potato chips that. and stuff I, like that, that out there, you know? <laughs> Um, I noticed so, that. So instead, if you can work out and do these longer runs in a fasted state, you don't need to constantly be fueling your body. You're not using all this extra energy that you need for your legs um, to be digesting all this food that
1: you're eating. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, exactly. right? It's totally, yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's it's right. It's exactly right. Um, yeah, I noticed. I, I would watch. I watch a lot of ultras. I'll watch the. One's in Colorado and the, and uh, the Redville, and just something oh, yeah. that I, I don't, I, I've never done one. I've always wanted to. So I end up watching them. And, and these guys are like at breaks eating big pieces of pizza. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: I mean, done it. I mean, and I, I will totally tell you, like, I was eating so much food. Like, when I did my 100 miler, <laughs> I, I ate so much food. And I honestly, looking back on it, it was probably a lot harder than it needed to be. Yeah, do you you think there's a
1: a better way to fuel at these breaks for people? And and I'm not not trying to be judgmental, but I just assume there's got to be some. Why is it that we just resource to junk at the breaks? My the excuses that I've heard is that we burn it so fast that it doesn't matter. I don't. I mean, like you get a cellular response from everything that you're putting in. Um, So it's like, is there something better we could be doing for these guys and you guys at these and gals at these checkpoints to not have to have all the the garbage
0: yeah like i was under a lot of gi distress during that particular race for that sure I did. a lot yeah. of GI. in fact i it, eating anything became extremely hard like i had to force myself to just eat like salty pretzels or just something um to get the salt in and uh potato chips because everything else was making me like nauseous you know yeah and a lot of that has to do with um, just, you know, uh, constantly having, um, all that blood, you know, in, in your stomach, trying to digest all this food that, um, and, and it just, it really upsets your stomach. So a lot, a lot of runners have issues with GI, uh, have GI I, I issues. I wouldn't doubt yeah. it.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, uh, I, I, touched last time that idea of the viscera somatic inhibition, and uh, there's all kinds of terms around it, but all that really means is that when your organs are inflamed, so as a musculature, and muscle musculoskeletal musculoskeletal system around it sorry so you get a stress response in your gut while you're in the middle of a hundred mile race Ah, i i struggle with that
0: yeah (laughs) And it's kind of self-induced, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like you want everything on your side when you're running 100 miles, come on.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, and I don't know what they, I mean, there's a different answer for everybody, but like one of the things I experimented with, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, which is on these ultras I was doing, um almond butter and i would get yeah. those like little packets of uh justin's almond butter and they would be just be almond butter with some like maybe some maple syrup in there or something like that yeah so there, yep. there was a little bit of sugar in there but mostly it was just like a lot of fat and yeah. um and your and your uh, stomach doesn't have to work very hard to like uh metabolize that and yeah the almonds and, are already ground up yeah but you're using mostly your um uh, your fat stores for energy. Now, uh, the sugar uh, packets, you know, the gels like that are just like liquid sugar, basically. Yeah. Do the same kind of thing, but they cause an a, an um, amazing amount of distress in people. In people, and but what they do is they, you know, it's like a liquefied sugar basically, and so you get this glycogen uh, hit right away. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, your muscles can access that right away, but that causes a lot of stomach distress for a lot of people. And so like on an endurance event like that, you can't do that. You can't be sucking down these, the sugar all the time. Cause it will just, nope. you will be sick to your stomach.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I, I did an adventure race with my uncle a, a quite a while ago, but I remember I'd never had one of those gel packs and, um, I remember tasting it, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like the, the 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 sweetness and the sourness from that is something I'd never experienced in my life. It was probably because I was in the middle of this excruciating race, and uh, my body hadn't taken in any calories, so it was just like exaggerated. But nonetheless, I I've only had one or two during that race, and it was it was wild
0: <laughs> i mean they work to deliver that glycogen like it you know it gets turned into glycogen right away and so it, it works yeah. to like give you that quick energy uh, but that only lasts for 30 40 minutes something like that yep. you and know then, like, and you then you gotta do more like you can't do that for 24 straight hours if you're in one no. of those long distance races you know um or I don't know, maybe some people can, like I said, it's kind of different for everyone. You kind of got to figure out what works for you. But once you become, once you don't need the glucose for energy, if you're just relying on the fat, you don't need to be putting all this sugar and all these carbs into your body during these kinds of races. You could do some, like eat some strawberries, you know, you could do some, some, some kind of natural forms of, of, you know, dense nutrient dense carbohydrates, sweet potatoes. That's a great thing to have. And something like that, you know, easy to digest, um, tons of great uh, nutrient-dense uh, carbs, and uh, and it's more of a long-lasting type of fuel.
1: Yes. There's a couple of guys that are talking about, and I've never experienced them, but I've heard really good things about something called ketone esters. Hmm. Um, it's I've only found the production of them through, like, one company. And this has been a couple of years back, but we just rang a bell of fuel during races, and I remember uh, something called ketone esters, so... Um, I would maybe look at that, see what you think about that. I'm gonna
0: have to look that up because I've not heard of that before.
1: I the only thing I remember about them, other than their name, was how expensive they were. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) I do know that like there's a way that you can like drink ketones somehow to like kind of get your body into ketosis faster or something like that, but I haven't really looked into that either.
1: The description was rocket fuel. so okay, I was,
0: cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Anything else you want to talk about before we uh, wrap it up here? This has been really awesome, by the way.
1: I think that's about it, man. I, uh, I, I always go back to making sure that everybody is under the least amount of unnecessary load possible. And um, I think that's just something that anyone could just take a look at any element of their life and see where they can get rid of unnecessary load. Um, or or address unnecessary load. But again, whether it be food or relationship or dehydration or lack of sleep um, or lack of movement. You know, you all, everyone knows what they could be doing better. You just have to sit down and ask yourself that, and just encourage people to do to do it. You know, so I think that's it.
0: I love it. I love that intuitive approach too. Not just to eating. I, I love the intuitive approach to eating too. You know, yeah. eat what fuels you. Eat what sounds good right now. Um, but I also love that intuitive approach to, um, physical exercise. You know, if Mm -hmm. I'm feeling stressed out or I'm feeling tired, this is not the day to go, you know, push it extra hard. It's the day to like slow it down, take it easier or just rest. Yes. So I love that. Awesome, man. Heck yeah. Well, as always, it is so fun talking to you and having these conversations. Chris, like I said, we just sit down, we just start talking about whatever and never know where it's going to go, but it's it's fun today. (laughs) Um, So where can people like reach out to uh, uh, learn more about you?
1: Well, um, so we have real human performance. We're going under a a little construction in the background as far as like digitally and all that because we're just creating some new programs. The website's going to look a little different over time or social media will look a little different. Uh, personally, I had to get rid of one of my social media accounts, which is drawing too much energy for me. So I, I went and resorted just to Facebook and I'm going to start jumping back on the, the health wagon on Facebook and helping people with that. So um, I'm not on Instagram, but real human performance is on Instagram. Uh, you can also go to our website at realhumanperformance.com and you can check me out on Facebook. At, I think it's just Christopher Wisman. And I'm going to start being a lot more engaging on Facebook with the information that I help people with so
0: cool. Love it. Thank you again.
1: Of course, man. Thank you.
0: So good, right? Good, good stuff. I just love these conversations with Chris. Uh, remember we will be continuing this conversation in the running lean community on Facebook. So I'd love, uh, for you to join the group. Chris is a part of that group and you can ask him questions there too. And remember starting July 1st, 31 days, no sugar challenge begins. It's just a few short days from now. So join us in the Running Lean community on Facebook. Grab a few friends. It will be fun. Just search for the Running Lean community and join us. Well, that's all we got today. As always, lots and lots of love to each and every one of you, my friends. Keep on Running Lean. I'll talk to you soon. You've tried to lose weight by running miles and miles or starving yourself and you've had zero results you are not alone this model of weight loss is broken it's never worked and it has to be replaced that's why I created a powerful new training just for you called how to become a lean running machine you'll discover why running more and eating less does not work for weight loss and you'll learn the three secrets to losing weight and keeping it off for good to get this free training right now, just go to the slash lean and learn how you can become a lean running machine.